This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hot stove for the Phillies. Started just a little under the month ago with the hiring of Dave Dombrowski as your new president of baseball operations. He then hires Sam Fold. And yesterday... Technically, they make their first big move, and that is Jose Alvarado of the Tampa Bay Rays in a trade, three-team trade, Dodgers, Rays, Phillies. Let's talk about it. Let's bring on Todd Zalecki from MLB.com, beat writer for the Phillies. What up and welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. It is Kevin Franzen at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And today let's talk a little Phillies bullpen and a little trade yesterday with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers sending Garrett Clevenger to the Dodgers and receiving Jose Alvaro, the hard-throwing, nasty movement of the left-hander in 25-year-old Jose Alvarado. Uh, on the surface, when you see the trade, you're like, damn, that is okay. Okay, I, I like this part of it. Uh, for three years, he consistently threw in an average of 97.7. That's what they had it down as. Uh, that's That's hard. That would actually be harder than anything that the, the Phillies have had in years. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez was one that we know that have, was a hard thrower, and you have the power arms, and Dave Dombrowski uh, would obviously love to have a, a guy like um, Sir Anthony there for him, but he's not. He'll be under Tommy John uh, rehab all year. So Jose Alvarado is the first piece. Last year... Last two years really dealt with a lot of shoulder issues off and on on the IL. But when he is in there, you're talking about not only an effective, but a dominant reliever, almost 27% strikeout rate, uh, which is well above average in Major League Baseball. But you're talking about a guy that, you know, throws upper 90s with nasty movement. I'm not talking like. Nasty movement for me would always be uh, Johnny Venters, uh, a Zach Britton, you know, as that, that, that sinking action, that down hard sink. But this is more two-seam run with a 97 to 99-mile-an-hour fastball. That's disgusting. As a right-handed hitter, when you got something almost, almost cutter-like action away from you from a lefty, that's uh, that's not a fun. That's not a fun AB. And then, can you imagine if you're lefty, that that ball running in on your hands? It just the effectiveness of Jose Alvarado. Now, a little skeptical because the Rays are giving up on him, and you don't see them give up on too many guys. But but I I, I say but 
I, I think the only reason why this would go through, obviously, is because everyone's passing their physicals and doing all that. So with that being said, let's talk a little Phillies bullpen. Let's talk a little Phillies just in general, the roster management. With the great Todd Zalecki, MLB.com, writer for your Phillies, friend of mine for a long time now. He's grayer than when I first met him. But, Todd, how are you? I'm good. I am definitely grayer. It's funny. I've actually looked at pictures recently, and I'm like, oh, man, what happened to me? Kids. It's, it's kids. Not good. Yeah, kids. The two kids, I think if I look at pictures of me in January compared to now, I've gotten a lot gray. <laughs> a lot grayer. It's very depressing. And you know what? It's like it's the war wounds, I guess you want to say, in a great way because of yeah. the stress, the, the you know, in this year and us trying to be entertainers, I feel like, at the same time. Like, it's just it's incredible. It never ends. The entertainment aspect of it never ends, for sure. <laughs> That's like the part where I've always like, man, like, yeah, what we do for a living in in being on the radio or whatever, uh, your entertainment. But like when it became the pandemic year and everything was at home, it was like, OK, now you're the circus. You're the freak show. You got to make sure everything yes. goes. exactly right i mean just trying to get stuff done it's just funny like people busting in and you know it's just you know who who knows over this next half hour or or whatever if you hear any screaming oh that would make (laughs) it even better i apologize that makes it better (laughs) yeah it does i mean it's real (laughs) all right so let's let's get serious here because that's what we're all about is being serious uh Yesterday, or just in general, the the, the Phillies um, made their first true roster move, I would say, um, in in the acquisition of uh, Jose Alvarado from the Rays in a three-team trade with the Dodgers, the Rays, and and the Phillies, sending Garrett Clevenger to the Dodgers. Now, number one, uh, on the surface, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's it's a nice start for the Phillies. It's kind of a low-risk... move it, it, it didn't cost him you know altogether that much Garrett Clevenger he yeah, has some upside certainly but the Phillies don't need like upside guys right now they need guys that they think can actually come in and contribute this season and you know Dave Dombrowski talked a lot about rebuilding this bullpen and having to be smart about it and, and so for me Clevenger for Alvarado even though he's coming off a couple of years where he's battled some injuries um, again, a nice start. You know, up high upside guy. He's done it in the past, and you know they just need to add a few more of these guys to get it going in the right direction. Well, it's it's fun when you look at a guy like Jose Alvarado and you look at velocity. Uh, one thing that I feel like we have lacked as the Phillies is velocity in the pen or consistent velocity. Uh, it, I, I think when you look at some of the other organizations. Um, you know, you could you could drive yourself crazy because it's like arm after arm coming out of the pens, ninety five above. Um, you know, when Sir Anthony came up, it was like I I feel like that that's where we un- should have understood that we're like we need more velocity involved because he just blew us out of the water, right? When he was throwing ninety six, ninety seven, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Well, teams have like multiple of that, so this is the start. You have Connor Brogdon, you have a guy like. Jose Alvarado coming in if he's you know back up to ninety six to ninety seven ninety eight, I mean that's a that's a big thing for this bullpen in itself. 
Yeah, you know, you're right because I think you look around the league and you see all these swing and miss guys, and that's isn't that kind of what we all hear now is like yeah. you know, swing and miss, swing and miss, strikeout percentage, and they haven't had that. But but he's got that he's got that arm, you know, high strikeout rate. You know, if you want to look at you know strikeouts per nine innings, which kicking it old school there, that's that's way up there. And so it just, I think it just gives Joe Girardi a little bit more confidence if there's a jam in the seventh inning, eighth inning, whatever he's going to end up pitching, that you know he, he can he can miss some bats because every you're right, it seems like every other team has guys that just run out there <laughs> that just <laughs> strike everybody out, and you know if you can have if Brogdon's, I mean Brogdon was so much fun to watch in oh. September. And it was just eye popping. And if if he's the real deal, and if Alvarado can, you know, be in shape and be healthy, now you're sitting there going, okay, now you maybe Joe Girardi's breathing a little bit easier. Yeah, and you could see things starting to. I mean, look, David Dombrowski's been on the job for less than a month. Uh, hiring Sam Fold and as the GM, like you, you're starting to see a little bit of movement there. And then the, to get this. The vision we've known of Dave Dombrowski in the in the past has been power arms, and he's talked about that. He loves power arms. Well, it, it's I feel like one guy is never going to change anything, you know, on, on this team. It's got to be multiple, but <laughs> this one move definitely signals Dave Dombrowski's doing what he intends to do, and that's get a lot of velocity, a lot of power arms involved for Joe Girardi. Uh, and, and, and that's apparent. Yeah. You know what else is, it's interesting too, is I, I think it's just the feeling of, you know, wow, Dave Dombrowski's in charge. So you kind of just have a different vibe about the Phillies moves, uh, move, you know, he's only made one move yeah. so far, but you just well, have two, a different vibe. Two. He's of, made two. He's made two. Sam two, Fold. right, right, Sam right. Fold. Come on. Right. Sam Fold. Say, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Sam Fold. Yeah, absolutely. The, on the, the field, apprentice. Though, you get it. Yeah. You get a different vibe of just like, okay. What does Dave Dombrowski see? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not saying that Alvarado would be like a stud or I mean, who knows how, how he does, but I think it just everything from this point forward is going to have a different bit of a vibe to it. And you sit there and go, all right, Dave Dombrowski's had a lot of success. I wonder what he sees in this guy. And if you're a Phillies fan, I think it should give you a little bit of confidence going forward of, okay, where maybe the past regime failed to hit on these fringy guys, these, these, you know, uh, buy low guys, you know, maybe Dave Dombrowski can, can hit on a few more. Well, okay. The narrative I've always been and, and you and I talked about this last night on MLB, MLB network radio was the past has been, well, he just depletes everything and doesn't well, No, it's not like he's built yeah. quite a few things. And then when he's given that, that opportunity, like the Red Sox, the Red Sox said, we need winner. We need a winner. You know, we, we need something here. Can you do that? Yes. And he went out and did that. Now, at the expense of the farm system, but that wasn't the point. The whole, like, the, the premise behind the whole thing was to win a World Series, not win minor league championships. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's so funny because, like, uh, you know, in the moment, you know, you have fans say, go for it, go for it, go for it. And then, and then when they go for it and it doesn't work out and it's team inevitably the core starts to decline then it's like well i can't believe you you went for it how come the farm system's been depleted you know like yeah dave dombrowski he built a championship team in florida he took a awful tigers organization oh. and got him to the world series twice 
um, you know, and and he did what he did with the Red Sox, which which you said, like you said, is he snapped his fingers and and won him a World Series almost overnight. So yeah, this idea that he's just gonna he's like a burn it down guy to me really doesn't it, it's not really true, you know. Um, yeah, he he made some huge signings along the way, and some of them worked out, and some of them didn't work out. But to me, either you roll the dice and you take the chances or you don't and that you know like speaking of that it's kind of like when people look back at Ruben Amaro's um mm-hmm. tenure with the Phillies he got kind of crushed for a while um when when the team started to go downhill and you know it's like well you know the team never won a world series under under Ruben it's like but he sure tried he got Cliff Lee twice right? he got Roy Halladay he got Roy Oswald he got Hunter Pence and you know either either you try or you don't and we all know that once you get to the playoffs it's a total crapshoot and you know the the 2011 Phillies were better than the 2008 Phillies but the 2008 Phillies won the World Series so, you know yeah. like what are you going to do <laughs> well, and that's the point what the beauty of this whole thing is what we understand and, it, and you look at the Dodgers organization it's like they are they're the model. They are the model franchise because not only do they have the big league talent, an insane talent up there, it's the depth that they've created in the minor league system that's not just depth. It's re- like it's stupid, ridiculously quality depth, right? Like the guys they bring up produce. Where usually you have these like, you know, the the, the lineup fillers, right? Like you're just like, ah, we'll throw these guys in for like 10 days, see this guy come back. No, they throw guys in for 10 days and they're hoping that, you know, he goes off. And does everything, yeah. um, and and the reason why I bring that up is they won one title, you know. Right. But they've been to what eight, nine straight playoffs, eight straight, and winning the division eight straight years, and it's getting to that dance. It's having that opportunity year after year after year. Should your goal be winning the World Series? Yes, but like Ruben, he was trying to get to the playoffs every year to win the World Series, but. The first things first, get to the playoffs. And, right. and that, that, that's such a big thing in this whole thing. Like, we always talk about it. I think we always, you and I have talked about this before, how everyone just assumes, like, oh, you got to go after World, World Series or bust. It's like, that is the ultimate goal. But the true right. goal, the one that should be right in front of you, is winning the division, getting to the playoffs. <laughs> right, yeah, that 162-game grind, which is why you – you add these pieces and, you know, you take a shot not knowing how it's going to work out. And yeah, like the Dodgers to me are the perfect example. They've won one World Series. They've been to the NLCS how many times, the World <laughs> Series how many times, and previously had fallen short. And uh, But they're good every year, and it doesn't mean, you know, it, and so maybe Dave Dombrowski can kind of do what he did. I, I feel like he's kind of in between – the the tiger situation because the Phillies yep. aren't in that bad of shape, yep. but he's certainly not, you know, a, like he like he has said many times already, he's not one player away like maybe the Red Sox might have been or two players away, so he's kind of in this in between mode. So and I think he's gotten the direction from ownership of listen, you know, don't blow this thing up and try to win it this year. Um, we want you to kind of build what you know Ed Wade, Pat Gillick, and Ruben built, which was you know that five straight division title run. Um, from 2007 to 2011, I don't really see why he can. I, I think yeah. there certainly should be more more confidence in the fan base that that he can do it than 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 the previous regime. Oh, I agree. I I look. Yeah. There's there's so many things. And and first move he makes with Jose Alvarado, he's giving up Garrett Clevenger. Well, Garrett Clevenger, fine, whatever. That's 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 a piece. 
You acquire, you know, guys in the minor league system, they're, they're, they're trying out for 30 teams, right? You're trying out for yourself and then 29 others. But for me, a guy like Alvarado brings that ability to he, – he knows how to strike out guys. He knows how to have success at the big league level. You don't want to wait on Garrett. Right. I mean, Garrett's numbers right. in the minor leagues, like the, the 13, 14 strikeouts uh, per nine is great. But then you look at the walks and you're like, that's yes. that's very alarming. So did he deplete the minor, minor league system on this? No, I don't think so, because I feel like they have no. with Damon Jones and Kyle Doe still involved. I, th- there's pieces there that they that they could build on. There's a depth piece. Left-handed pitching in the minor leagues is starting to rise and and get there. Is that your sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in in terms of like trading, you know, Clevenger, uh, this is where you hope that, um, you know, Dave maybe listens to his scouts and a little bit more than than, than the pastors. Maybe the scouts have some, some information and some feelings on, all right, here's some guys we like. You know, uh, yeah, Clevenger, I'd be open to trading him. Obviously, you know, he's going to be looking at the analytics as well. That's why Sam Fold was, I think, promoted um, you know, to kind of bridge that gap between Dave's old school sensibilities and, and the new school sensibilities that the Dodgers use and all these other teams use to be successful. But um, I think, you know, again, like uh, as you mentioned, these guys coming up in the system that are still there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dave, Dave, I think is going to be more open to, to listening to people. And that's kind of what I always remember people saying about Pat Gillick when he was here is like, he would get everybody together in the room and he would really listen to everybody and he wouldn't want everybody to express their opinion. And, um, he would, you know, he would listen and, and make those decisions based on what everybody said, um, not just what one or two people said. And I think that's why he was successful. Absolutely. You got to have opinions and you have to have people that fight back at your opinion and you be willing to, that's leadership is being able to adjust and, and, and listen and actually hear what people are saying that are against your thoughts, initial thoughts. And, and, and I love you bring that up because Mike Ondo, the scouting department, they do a hell of a job. And I do feel uh, that they were kind of put on the back burner quite Mm -hmm. often. Uh, they busted their butts for, you know, and this is speaking, not knowing, right. This is totally just a, a, a kind of like just a, a, a 30,000 square, uh, square foot, 30,000 foot view of the situation. And I, I look at it and I'm like, these guys bust their butts, but I don't think they were heard. Like they talked, but no. they, they, they weren't heard. Yeah. And, and, and... I, I absolutely agree with you there. I, I think they, they weren't heard, and if the reports might have been read, but um, yeah, they had a, a really good track record. I mean, think of the guys that uh, Mike Ondo and the scouting department, before all the analytics came in, just they nailed in the Rule 5 draft. And some of these guys became studs, and some of these guys just became, uh, you know, productive major leaguers. Shane Victorino, Dubal Herrera, David Herndon, Michael Martinez, Ender and CRK, these are all guys like in a seven, eight year span that the Phillies scouting department led by Mike Ando selected in the rule five draft. I mean, to me, that says it all, you know, uh, uh, about how good, how good these guys can mm-hmm. be if they're, if they're listened to and their, and their uh, opinions are, are heard. And so, yeah, I think Dave, um, I think Dave's going to be more open to that and he's going to balance it, you know, like, and, and, and like you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, like the give and take back and forth, you don't want, you don't want, um, you know, just, you know, 
Ice. Just me to death. Yeah. You, know, you want that that argument in 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 the in the scouting room and the, in the in the war room on the draft day. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, a guy telling you you're crazy for wanting to draft this guy over this guy and and fighting for a guy. You know, you want that give and take. Yeah, it's just like I. <laughs> I understand the analytics side and I, and I appreciate it. I think it's, it's a, a beyond useful tool, but it can't be everything. We all know that. I mean, it's, I'm right. not bringing up anything that hasn't been said, but I, I do think what the analytics have done has eliminated throughout the game conversation. Right. It, it's like, no, this is it. This is how it is. You know, because the right. numbers say this, it's like, well, there's a lot more to it in this game um, or in sports in general, where if you just use the analytics, you eliminate conversation. And the conversation is a huge part of the belief and the building of a team in a franchise, I believe. And, and the, just the, the human aspect of a player, you know, like the makeup guy, you know, like um, the scouts are out there and they're talking to people about, you know, what's this guy like? They're, they're reading body language. And I know I get it. Like a lot of analytics people would probably go, come on, body language, like for real. <laughs> um, but if when you, I mean, how many times do you see certain pitchers, uh, you know, repeatedly drop their head after a bad pitch or a bad call by an umpire, and, yeah. you know, um, and if you see a guy do that repeatedly and lose it, Pulling them out, you know, and then you're wondering, gosh, this, but this guy's spin rate on his four seam right elevated in the zone is so nasty. But after everything, if, if something doesn't go his way every single time in the mound and, and he just folds, is the spin rate going to be that good for him? Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, that, that's, that's, that's a huge part. Yeah, and, and and I think that's where Dave um, is is probably going to. Uh, be more effective and in, in listening to people saying, listen, like, yeah, this guy could be really good. Uh, but here are some reasons why we don't want him. And I, and I go back to, to Pat Gillick again and, and man, this guy did homework. Like he would talk to, you know, he'd call up Kevin Steinauer and the visiting clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse guy. He'd go, Hey, uh, we're thinking about this guy. What do you, what do you, what do you know yeah. about him from, you know, seeing him in the visiting clubhouse? Wow. Well, great guy great guy teammates love him more you know convert uh, on the opposite side <laughs> and that's like, yeah, this guy's not the greatest guy in the world i just want to let you know now maybe that is a deal breaker maybe he's like well this guy's too good. we still got to go for it but um you got to talk to everybody you got to listen to everybody and then then yeah, i think you, you got to make the best decision you can possibly make especially for a franchise that is about family right and and mm -hmm. that aspect of it you don't want a-holes in here that's a, right. it's a true, like, I'm serious. It's, it's to build yeah. a quality franchise. You have to have quality people. And to me with the Phillies and, and everything, being able to ask Frank, being able to ask Kev, all, all the, you know, clubhouse guys, whether you're an assistant or the head finding out from trainers, how did they treat you when they're, when, you know, things were bad, you know, that's always my favorite thing is like when things were bad, how'd they treat you? You know, yep. when they were struggling, they're in this slump and, and you hear so many different things. And it's like, that's the quality of an organization. Yes, the analytics are there, the numbers, but to build a successful franchise, you can't have turds in it. You can't. No, 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 absolutely. That's why, I, you know, going back, um, uh, you know, 
Matt Clintac's first year, I, I really thought they should. And again, he wouldn't have changed anything. The team would have still been bad. But, man, I thought they should really should have brought back Jeff Francoeur for one more year. Uh, you know, on a, on a one-year deal. I mean, one of the greatest clubhouse guys ever could have really showed some of these young guys the ropes. Would, would the Phillies have won a lot more games? No, they weren't trying to. And so uh, sometimes I think, you know, that stuff that stuff needs to be valued more. It definitely needs to be valued more. Well, the one that I will say, and, and we, I think, all agree, uh, whether it was offensively challenged in, in that, uh, the one that they should have and they didn't, and I – I'm very upfront about it. I'm not going to hide and say is Freddie like Freddie Galvis was yes. to me, the epitome of what a Phillies player was, but not only about that, the leadership that he had from the American side and the Latin American side, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone looked at Freddie almost like they, the way we looked at Chooch, the way we looked yes. at, 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 at Carlos Ruiz and, and you're looking and you're going, that skill, that ability to gravitate towards a guy, a human like that, a player, a teammate, is beyond it, – it, it's invaluable. It's invaluable. You know what I remember about Freddie in the clubhouse? And, and not that other players didn't care when they lost, but, man, he really mm-hmm. wanted to win so badly. And now does that mean that you're going to win if you put you know 25 Freddie Galvises in a room? Well, you know, F- Freddie has his, his skill set, certainly, but I think you need – you do need to have players in there like that. And, hey, speaking of Freddie Galvis, I mean, you know, if Didi Gregorius signs somewhere else, he's available. Um, and, uh, I'm not saying he would hit at the top of your lineup, but, man, Freddie playing shortstop, eight-hole hitter, nine-hole hitter if there's a DH, if a DH is back next year. You know, guys like that, I think, can um, can really help a team. Yeah, and, and, oh, man, there's so many things with Freddie that you just look at and you're just like, I, I – I've you and I've talked about this. Matt and I t- talked about this. The the time that he, the article came out uh, when I was playing, and it was Pete Orr and 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 uh, Cesar <laughs> and Freddie and myself, and it's like no one came to watch Scrubs, and I and I was pissed. Not because of me. I care less. I really could. Uh, you know, the guy that hit three forty the year before is being called a scrub. That's fine. That's that's all you want. But it was the fact <laughs> that Cesar and 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 uh, Freddie were twenty and twenty one years old, respectively. And they were damn good, right? Yeah. And so it's like, just like, I, I guess there was. It wasn't like the brotherly thing. It was just being able to play with both those guys before and understand who they were. And you're like, these guys care. Don't say that. Like, Freddie, this matters. And when you bring up the losses and the way Freddie looked, it was amazing because he. There's games that he was three or four for four, and you're going, wow, we lost, and you yeah. know it. Like it, he didn't yeah. wear he didn't wear it like man I went three for four who cares it was amazing yeah yeah he had a great he had a great mindset um, great makeup uh, he cared and so good defensively <laughs> you know he could hit he hit a home run for you and uh, you know and in Cesar you know you saw him develop this year with the Indians in a Gold Glover you kind of what I think the Phillies always expected that he could be. And uh, you know, always he always was a high on base guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big Freddie fan, and I and and I always have been. And, and again, that's why I was like, I'm looking at the free agent list. And yep. If you can't sign Didi, yep. Andrelton Simmons would be my number one guy in on a one year deal. But I wouldn't be opposed to bring back Freddie on a one year deal. Um, with you know, as long as you can, you know. It, 
ideally you would sign JT, re-sign JT um, for the pop, for the power in the lineup, and then if then you could bring back Freddie, and the, I think the offense could still go. What you don't want to have happen is lose DD and JT and not be able to replenish them or or improve, upgrade center field and not replenish and up uh, in some way, shape, or form. No doubt. Uh, and I'm glad you bring up, like, a, a you know, the Simmons part. But there's so – you know, we, we get Jose Alvarado in this deal, and that is a piece. Like, there's multiple pieces needed for that bullpen. Obviously, you need to have minor league guys that come up and, and perform, your own guys. Uh, but center field, shortstop, second base, catcher, there's so many question marks. Maybe a, an extra starting pitcher – uh, involved number one is is bullpen number two is what for you and need and i i say more than jt because the bullpen cost so many games last year yeah boy that is a great question you know it, so i i think you would look at it and say wow you know bring back jt he's the best catcher in baseball and i and i totally get that but i guess it's how you know what? What are their kind of? What's their plan B if JT doesn't come back? I mean, they could have this awesome uh, plan B, like all right, we'll we'll sign or, or trade for you know like Wilson Contreras, right? Mm-hmm. Is apparently available. Like if you can get Wilson Contreras behind the plate or sign another free agent catcher, there's really not much left on the market at this point. Um, if you if, if JT you can't get JT back, you can just trade for Wilson Contreras some way, shape, or form. Right now, it looks like the Cubs are trading everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can upgrade at center field and shortstop. Oh, maybe that's a better use of resources because now you can take that JT money and maybe find a real legit number three-ish, four-ish starter. Yeah. Or, or you can find another back-end bullpen piece or two. And now are you actually better? Um, and that's that's a that's an interesting kind of debate discussion that I'm sure Dombrowski's having with Sam Fold and, and Mike Gondo and, you know, the animal department and the scouting department. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know which way I would go. I think, again, I think, I think just the fact that Dave Dombrowski is calling the shots now gives you a little bit more confidence that if they don't re-sign JT, that he can still somehow tweak the roster enough to make them better in, in 2021. Yeah. I mean, look, the worst part for JT, I felt like this year, um, I, he was going to get paid. There, there's no doubt about it. But was the actual performance by everyone surrounding him, right? And and it affects him because there's so much more need than just well, we got to bring back JT. But bringing back JT in this market, in this you know what we know of of you know John Middleton coming out and saying how much we have as lost as a franchise. Like you're going oof. Like yeah. one guy, does that hinder us from getting all these other pieces? And I love the fact that we got Jose Alvarado, and it shows that that's not holding us up from doing anything else, right? The JT signing or not signing is not holding us up from getting better around. No, it, it, it's it's not. Um, you know, they can continue to kind of go on the outside and, and find those complementary pieces, and and that's. And, and that really is where this, I think, this organization has fallen short the past four or five years is they just haven't hit on those guys. Remember all the arms they brought into spring training last year, all the veteran non-roster yeah. free agent guys, and they didn't hit on any of well, Blake Parker, was he was a re-sign, so I don't know if I would include, include him in that group. Uh, but the guys from the outside of the organization, they, they missed on all of those, and, and they really haven't hit 
on any of those guys. Um, you know, and I, 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 I hate to keep doing this, but I always kind of go back to that five-year run that they had when um, Gillick and, and Amaro, they got J.C. Romero mm-hmm. off the scrap heap, they got Scott Ayer, they got Clay Condry, um, you know, they, they got Chad Durbin for next to nothing. They kind of identified these little guys. And, and, you know, and it's one of those, they're like one of those January, like, waiver claims or free agent signings yeah. where – because Twitter's Twitter, you go, oh, Clay, uh, Chad Durbin, let me get my uh, World Series tickets, you know. But then you go, oh, oh Clay Condry, who's this, you know? And inevitably on Twitter, right? You get those comments, and then and then you go, wow, Clay Condry, man, that guy, he made some fifty appearances this year with a three eight ERA, and yep. Chad Durbin made sixty five with a three seven ERA, and oh my gosh, these guys are actually really good, and and. Um, you just hope that you know Alvarado is the is the first is the first piece there if you're a Phillies fan. Yeah, but with those, you know, especially with the 08 team, the biggest thing was the health of everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you had you used 18 guys as far as pitchers. 18, that's it. And two of those guys threw, you know, four and two. R.J. Swindle threw four and two thirds innings. Drew Carpenter threw an inning. Uh, Les Waldron threw 10, Scott Ayer threw 14. So if you went from, you know, Tom Gordon, who threw 29 and two-thirds of an inning, like above used 14 pitchers. That's insane. So the health is part insane. is a is a big part of this deal and yeah. moving forward, right? So they hit on these guys, but they got the health of, of so many guys. And that when you bring it up with Jose Alvarado, it's like the health of Jose – helps out a lot of different things. It's like the same thing we could say with Sir Anthony the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. wasn't healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alvarado, um, you know, supposedly he's in better shape now. Uh, you know, there's some kind of conditioning questions the past couple of years. I don't know if it's because he was injured. He had to go home to Venezuela for a month um, in 2019 for some personal reasons. You don't know kind of how all that stuff plays into it, but if he's in shape and he's healthy, um, and he, he's, he's pumping 97 mile an hour sinkers, you know, with a cutter and curveball uh, <laughs> as yeah. a lefty. You, you like what you have, right? Well, the way I've described it is you're as a right-handed hitter because it's not the, the sink action of Britain or Johnny Venters back in the day, but it is a, like a two-seam run that, that's, that is equivalent to like a right-handed cutter. And so for okay. a right-handed hitter, facing a guy like Jose Alvarado and you're like, man, 
you can't cheat in because that 97 but you also can't like sit away like just, there's so many different things because he's 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 running the ball away and you're having to bend right like you're having to cheat you're having to figure it out and it's not like he has this complicated uh repertoire it, it, it's fastball two seam run he does have a cutter but that's just random it, that's like almost a show pitch but it's the curveball it's fastball curveball. It's a simplified, you know, arsenal. And I feel like that's what we saw a lot of with with the Rays and what we haven't seen with the Phillies pitchers. Usually it's like, well, guys come out of the pen and they got four or five pitches. It's like you, you can't have that. You got to be to be dominant. You got to be able to have rely on one pitch, two pitches at most and be great with them. You know, it, it, and to be consistent with them. I feel like the guys that have multiple are the ones that are getting hit a lot or the ones that lack velocity. It's like less that and more simplified. Let's go. And that's kind of what made Brogdon so good, right? Like his two pitches, you know, like the fastball, you know, and then the off speed working off of that. But but that's that, Um, that the, I think what we heard and what we know of Connor before he came up was the changeup. Right. And, and we, mm -hmm. we've talked about it. Um, but we saw what major league hitters do. Like if you don't have fastball location or something that can get you to, you know, as a right-handed hitter against Brogdon, if you can't lean to the outside because like, he's not showing anything like it, it I mean, you're, it's a field day, you know, you just get yeah. him to elevate just a little bit and you're, you're hammer time. He develops that cutter or he actually doesn't develop it, but he gets confident with it and it changed the entire world sure. for him. Like he just saw yeah, that- he saw upper bodies of hitters starting to lean either back of left-handed hitter or or out over the plate, and you're going, uh-oh, change of time. He gone. <laughs> you know, I, I, did, what did you make of Girardi saying, you know, looking at back at the bullpen, even if they had, like, almost told the hitters what was coming, it couldn't have been as bad as it was. Like, do you think yeah. that – no matter what, no matter what they do this off season, they're, you're going to see a market improvement just because of how crazy bullpens are. I, I kind of feel that way. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're automatically going to be good, but I mean, it, and they're certainly not going to be as bad as they were. But uh, I, it's it just seems like it's it's got to be better no matter who they bring in. Well, I think this a personal thing is that like I'm big on years, right? So like year to year, you can't be horrible to horrible to worse, and you know, like and, and, yeah. and I, I think that the snowball effect of a season we saw last year and, you know, something bad happened. It was like, uh Oh, here we go again. And you can't have that. <laughs> no. And it just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. You're like, uh Oh, so yeah, I do agree with, I, I, I agree with him and saying like, they could have told guys what's coming and, and the results would have been, I, I think actually better, but they left so many right. balls out. Like the the problem I had with execution last year wasn't like a pitching coach thing, a bullpen coach thing. It was execution of the player thing. Like they didn't execute. Workman comes over and it was, you know, almost like what we heard with Gabe Kapler. I hope he, you know, with Nick Pavetta, like throw fastballs out of the zone, curveballs in the dirt. So you're telling him not to throw strikes. Right. And then when he does throw strikes, where was it? It was middle. Like it was, you know, and, and you, and you're seeing the frustration of a guy. You're like, oof, I feel bad for that guy. Cause he's being told certain things. Uh, right. This year was just execution. You know, guys came over and I thought like with a David Phelps, like you would see him 
like that was, I think, the surprising part was veteran guys not being able to rein it in. That was the part where it ba- like kind of baffled me. Usually, you get like that, you know, couple outing stint where you're just like, ah, I don't feel it, and it takes a little bit. But they're able to to take a deep breath, find a way to rein it in, and and start to get locked in again. And we never saw that. That's the no. crazy part. Phelps was the one guy I, I was probably the most surprised that he just couldn't get on track, I guess, just because he seemed to be pitching so well for the oh. Brewers and he had a solid track record. And I was like, why can this guy not get it going? Yeah. Like, you know, like Hembry, he was he was injured, you know, Workman, he was he wasn't as dominant as he was in 2019 and in 2020 with the Red Sox. So you know, you could kind of maybe see that a little bit, but David Phelps to me was he was the one guy I was like, man, I cannot believe this guy is giving up all these home runs yeah. after he hadn't given up any. I think he may have given up like one or two all season with the Brewers. Yeah, no, it's what was it? What was crazy was that everywhere they went, it was home run time. And it was like, it, it, like Connor Brogdon comes up, right? And the first pitch that he throws is a homer and he gives up I two. Know. And you're like, oh my God. Like <laughs> the best part about the season for me was the development of him. Like where he went, because like he went from getting his butt kicked to being sent down and he took it in stride. He didn't sulk. He got better. And that like that was my favorite part about last season. And, you know, you hope that there's a lot more of that. Uh, Whether it's Damon Jones, Kyle Doey, whether Jojo takes a step up, because, you know, if if I'm Jojo, I'm thinking. Okay, we got Jose Alvarado. There's, you know, Adam's gone right now, and and Jose Alvarez isn't back. That's my job, unless Ranger Suarez right. wants to do. You know what I mean? There's so many things that you could you you look at and you go, can guys feed off of this one move? Right, the left-handers can they feed off this and say, yeah, I want that job with him. I want to be there. Yeah, and if he if he steps up, you know, just it's one more piece that kind of falls into place, and you know, that kind of trickle down effect yep. where you know who knows who the closer is going to be. Maybe they give Hector another shot. Maybe they find somebody else. Maybe it's a combination of some guys. But just you know, if Alvarado can fill into that seventh inning role, eighth inning role, whatever it is, it just you know, it's like any any bullpen. You know, it takes the pressure off guys and. And uh, they just they find the role, and that I thought that was you know Dave Dombrowski believes in bullpen roles, and, and and you know Joe prefers to have a set closer like Dave does, and I think that could benefit these guys as well. Yeah. So I, I I mean, on one hand, I get why bullpen roles should not matter because you know just just pitching the inning that you throw into, but you know you know more than me, but I've talked to enough relief pitchers over time that I. Almost every single guy, when you pull them off to the side, they go, I want to know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what the other thing, too, is like people just, I, I really feel like we only talk about the pitcher side of it. And, you know, the roles, like as a hitter, as a guy planning, you know, especially for, for someone in my, you know, uh, you know, coming off the bench and facing closers all the time, like knowing that guy is out there gives you a little doubt, that's a big thing, right? So, like, you know that that guy's – it's not about, like, oh, that guy's going to be throwing like, – because you throw him in the seventh inning, you're like, I don't have to face him later on. That's great. Yeah. Like, the hitter's perspective, there's always that looming. And you could you, – you're going to hear <laughs> – That's a hitters, good point. You, you're, always, you're always thinking. You're always planning. Getting Jose Alvarado, 
adds to that doubt in that pen. You're like, damn, okay. Like, you know, as a manager, you're now having to, maybe you're not changing your lineup as much. There's not a lot of decisions going on, but that guy's out there. Hector Neris, you know, he's going well. He's out there. Connor Brogdon, like you have multiple guys that are throwing a little doubt into your mind as a manager and hitters. I guess that played for even like the guys already in the lineup. That, yeah. that would maybe put pressure on them, right? To, yep. yeah, I got to score now. I got to yep. score now. because well, uh, you, you bring that up, and, and, and I, I'm like thinking about this, like, you know, and I apologize to cut you off right there, but like we've talked about no. it. Like the starting, like how important we're, we're talking about bullpen, but what is the greatest thing for a bullpen is great starting pitching. Guys that yeah. can get you deep into the game and, and, not have to rely on having to open the door in right center field all, you know, what seems like every three batters. <laughs> and, and I like, I, I like the idea that, that Dave Dombrowski also feels that way. And, um, you know, he, he, he said during his introductory zoom call, it's not press conferences anymore, yeah. the zoom calls, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he said, I still like pitchers, starting pitchers that can go six or seven innings. He's like, I'm not talking about having a guy go out there and throw 140 pitches. I, I will not do that. But I do like having a stable of starters that I believe can pitch deep into a game more often than not. And uh, that is that is huge, you know, like, um, you know, to be able to have a, a rotation that can do that because then, you know, you give your relievers more of a break. Um, they can maybe – you know, if they're struggling, you can stay away from them for a couple of days. And, you know, I was watching um, MLB Network the other day, and they played it. It's an old old interview, but after the Dodgers won the World Series and somebody asked Mookie Betts, like, what was your thought when they took Blake Snow out of the game in the fifth inning? He's like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've said this uh, on air plenty of times with Scott. Like, the moment you take out that guy, there's certain things that you see. Well, I go back to when I was with the Nationals in the playoffs. George Zimmerman's just absolutely dealing against the Giants, like two hitter dealing or one hitter with the shutout. And he just walked Joe Panic on two pitches that were like they were off the plate. They were balls, but they were off the plate by maybe an inch, right? They were balls. I'm not sitting here going, oh, we got screwed. But like there was no, like they had no chance. Matt Williams takes the top step, calls the bullpen to Drew Storen. Nothing is Drew Storen. It's just like it was Jordan Zimmerman getting taken out. I've never in my life, other than a Little League, literally, not a joke, seen a dugout go nuts when Jordan Zimmerman was taken out. And so that what, what happened in that Rays-Dodgers game where Mookie was talking about it, you could see the way the world – off the shoulders of in the backs of the Dodgers when Blake Snell came out. I mean, it was insane. And you're going right. that that dominant of a pitcher, right? Well, the Rays have been doing this for years, and they, it, you know they could you could always say, well, it's been successful in doing all this. It's different in the playoffs. I'm sorry, it's different. Like there's a different vibe. There's all this stuff going. There's a guy that's dominant that has a confidence level that you can never put an analytic. No, you cannot quantify what that number is yeah and i think it's just it's just great to have that option if you're the manager oh. you know, knowing that you have a guy that at least when he starts the game goes okay I, this guy potentially could go six or seven innings if he's throwing the ball well or maybe even further whereas opposed to now where the past couple of years several years the, 
back into the Phillies' rotation. It's like, I hope we can get four. Yes. No, for <laughs> hopefully, sure. Hopefully, we, for hopefully sure. we can get into the fifth inning. And that's and that's got to suck if you're the manager. It's got to suck if you're the players on the field pitching behind that guy going, ah, I hope we can get four innings out of this guy, right? And yeah. Just, you know, the bullpen are like, well, I, I guess I'm not getting a day off today. You know, well, in, just, in the biggest struggles of the fight. Phillies this last year, like with the bullpen, you could just sense that at times there was like, there was multiple games where the bullpen blew, you know, big run leads and all this stuff, and you needed a long start from that that day starter, and you got five, and you're yes. going, oh. like there is never a pick me up moment. <laughs> it really felt like the pick me up moment from the the starting pitchers, and it's nothing against them. It it just right. it just happened. It was just one of those things where you're going. They got to pick up these guys, and how do you do that? You go seven innings. You give them that extra break. You give a couple of those guys a couple of days off, you know, naturally, not having to be like, well, Joe Girardi's setting him down, right? He's he's not going to use him today. It's like, no, you naturally yeah. gave it to him by going seven, by going eight. Yeah, and, and, and if they could just get a little bit more of that, like maybe – and that's why I think uh, – I, I would like to see Dombrowski go out and find another starter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get a top shelf starter for sure, but um, you can get a, maybe get a middle of the rotation guy or just a, just a, you know, if, and if we're talking number four, number five guys, that means the guy, in my opinion, that means again, that, you know, maybe every other star can give you six innings, um, which I think would be an improvement, quite frankly, yeah. if you could get a guy that can give you six innings, every other start, um, or one out of every three starts, even. Uh, I, I feel like the Phillies is number four, number five starters the past past several years haven't even been able to do that. It's been like once every five or six starts they give you six innings. Um, you know, so I think if the Phillies could, if Dombrowski could go out and do that, and I know I understand why you need to address the bullpen, and they absolutely must address the bullpen, but I think one more starter, because in my mind, after Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin, now you're now I guess going into camp. If you had to like rank the favorites, it'd be Spencer Howard and, and Velasquez as the number four and five. Well, you know Howard's had been shut down the past two years because of shoulder issues, um, and he and he wasn't super sharp when he came up this year in, in the limited time that he had. And we know Vinny's, um, you know, inconsistency over the past yeah. several years. So. I would like to get somebody to go in there and push those guys a little bit, you know, so they don't go in. Not that anything's guaranteed, but, you know, you, know, you can have Ranger Suarez compete for a rotation spot. And there's some other guys in the system that could maybe potentially start. Uh, but I would like to see somebody come in and go, all right, he's probably the number four guy. Spencer, Vinny, if you want to make the rotation, you're really going to have to earn it, you know, Ranger Suarez, et cetera. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, from a you know when you talk about starting and starting depth, I mean the the Padres have have gone out and uh, done some things. Uh, Blake Snell, you Darvish, but you know the the one guy that I feel like we don't talk about with them is Denelson Lamette, who is ridiculously good, who mm-hmm. got you know finished what top five in the in Cy Young Award winning uh, race, um, right? And you're or even top three, he's special. But the depth that they've created and they have with the minor league system, I'm not saying you don't make reactive deals in, in anything, and, and you could say that throughout all of baseball. But what they have shown is that they need and you need more of those top-end guys. And, you know, is is that – do you see Dave Dombrowski this year making a move for another top-end guy for maybe a, a, an ace-like type guy? 
you know, I, I just, I, I think it would be great if, if he could, but I don't know where he gets the prospects to do it. Um, I don't know where, you know, it, it, so for, for on a free agent standpoint, um, do they have the money to do it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if they're yeah. already kind of wringing their hands about JT, then you got to think that they're, um, they're not going to be able to have the money to get a, a more top end starter. Uh, I, I don't know if they have the prospects, quite frankly, to do it. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think what, you know, if the if they improve the bullpen enough, in my opinion, and, and Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin can be, can be consistent, which they have been for the most part, uh, and then you, again, my preference would be at least a number four, number five starter, and then maybe see where that goes, and maybe it would be more of a – a mid-season acquisition, you know, like maybe at that point, John Middleton would green light, you know, uh, a costly, you know, say there's a, a, a stud starter on a, on a bad team that's trying to cut payroll, which yeah. I could definitely see this year. I mean, this year I feel like there could be more of those types of moves to be made where a, 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 a losing team with a top shelf starter making a ton of money over the next couple of years might be looking to do a salary dump situation, which actually would benefit the Phillies if the Phillies, you know, can get some fans in the stands and maybe start feeling more comfortable about revenue streams and knowing that they have a bottom 10 farm system, maybe they could work that to their advantage a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe that's something to think about, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I see it happening this off season. It'd be great if I was wrong because you know, I'd be more excited. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. But then, look, yeah. what we do know, and you and I being around the the, the team for uh, every day, pretty much, uh, the passion is starting to feel like it's back. As far as the passion to win, and and that is the because of the hiring of Dave Dombrowski, not only the hiring of last year of, of Joe Girardi. But when you have someone that wants and you you hear it that wants to win, there's that want, and I feel like that that's going to gravitate throughout the system. And you just know that he's, and, and I think just the fact that he's done it before multiple times <laughs> at multiple places, you know he's not a a one trick pony. Yeah, you know where he he had some success with one organization. You know, eight years ago he won a World Series and. Um, and he's done it everywhere. And again, I know the Tigers never won a World Series. And you know, they, when he left, they were on the downside. I get it, but he took his shots. He got him in the World Series a couple times. They didn't win it. That to me, that's a success. Uh, you know, he won a World Series in, in Florida. Won a World Series in Boston. I think just that winning pedigree should give everybody in the system some confidence that that things are going to start to improve. And yeah, it might not lead to a World Series this year. Uh, but you know, certainly next few years, I think he can get this thing turned around. And if you're a minor league prospect, he will give you a chance. If you're going to help, he will give you a chance. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that needs to be, that needs to be instilled in a lot of these guys. For sure. And, and, you know, um, maybe he has some ideas on how to better develop some of these, these draft picks that they've had that that haven't, you know, either stalled or, 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 um, you know, not quite taking that next step. Um, but I, yeah, I think if you're a minor league, you're knowing that too. That's kind of, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, but I imagine like you, if, if you know a guy like that is calling the shots, I mean, doesn't that get you more excited? Oh, and, absolutely. You know, this is flying. 
you're like, oh my god. And I've, I've I know I know some I know some players I know players are excited about Dave being being in charge. You know, I think that they are you know, they like they like what the future now holds. You know, well, they like the possibilities that exist because he's in charge now. If you're a player and you have a guy like that and and you you feel it, you understand it, and there's a little sense of like it, naturally you get a little kickstart into your off season, whatever it is, because you know, and like there's a vision, there's a plan, there's a will and want to win. And I, I, I just feel like that, that, that was said in the first couple times that we've had the, the zoom conferences with, uh, with, with Dave. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, um, you know, he seems to, I don't, you know, it's just funny. Like when you listen to him talk, it, it just kind of reminds me, of the way that Gillick talks, um, I don't know. Just his words carry. They, 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 there's a different. You know, they carry differently. You know what I mean? Um, yep. It just has a different feeling to it, yep. which is which is good. If yep. you're a Phillies fan, you should be encouraged by that. No doubt, and I'm encouraged because you came on my show, and that's like really awesome. <laughs> and I appreciated Todd Zalecki for Thanks, what we God. thought was going to be really a, a quick talk, but turned into uh, what normally does with you and I, which is. I mean, we miss a lot of pitches. Let's just say that during games. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Todd's That's like, right. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Hey, Kevin, it was great talking to you, and I hope to see you in non-Zoom form. Yeah. Uh, soon, man. Soon. I that. can't wait. Yes. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. And that was the great Todd Zalecki. Yeah, I appreciate him coming on Pine Talk for breakfast. And this was a great episode. Something that we thought was going to be very quick turned into something, uh, well, I don't know, rather lengthy and fun. Talking all the possibilities, but the the actual vision that we're seeing from Dave Dombrowski, Sam Fold so far. And it is a great thing. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.